0: Our text is Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 today, but you want your finger right because we're going to just, that's going to be our text, but actually we're going to be more in Genesis chapter 1. So, Romans 5, 12 the Old Testament, but Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to be uh, for the more part of this message. But, just notice real quickly over there, t- the far side is the first responders flag on the other side of our American flag. Then on the other side of the Christian flag you'll see the 9-11 flag. And just for our visitors, I'm telling you about that because the 9-11 flag has names of over 3,000 people that died on 9-11 in those uh, towers. And so uh, we have it there and just want you to understand that uh, we love our country and we love a God who we have that gives us peace in the midst of all the tribulations that we may have. Well, our text then is Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. There we read, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So, death has passed upon all men, because, why? All have sinned. You know, I can't escape that. So said, well, you're the preacher. The preacher has sinned. Okay. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. To say I've not sinned is to put yourself on the level, say I'm just as good as Jesus Christ. No. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that includes us all. And the glory of God, Jesus Christ, is the standard. That's why we all need a Savior. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to delve into your word now and see these truths that you have before us today. Lord, I pray that if there is one person in this auditorium, who does not know that if they died today that heaven would be their home, I pray that today would be the day that that could be uh, made sure of, Lord, that they'd come to know Christ as Savior. Be able to walk out of this building today saying, I know whether I died today or 50 years from now, my home is heaven. What a great thing that would be. So thank you for the opportunity now to be able to preach, not my word, your word, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We asked, if we were to ask the question out on the street today, if we went up and just maybe you go to a mall or somewhere else, you start asking people, uh, if you were to die today, where would you go? Now, one man got the answer, well, they're going to ship me up to Kentucky, but uh, that's not what we're talking about. No, but we we say, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or to hell? And uh, and sometimes you even add to that, and, and if so, wh- why do you think so? And so that, that's a good question to ask. It's a life question. It's a question that we all have to face uh, before us. And I've titled this, Life in 3D, and so I want us to see that. So let's imagine that we do ask the question, if you were to die today, do you know that you'd go to heaven? And the answers would be varied. Yes, I'm doing the best I can. Others would say, well, you know, I believe that God is going to weigh my good against my bad and I will be all right. Others will say, I hope I do. And not really have a reason or be sure. Then I've heard the saying, well, a good God sends no one to hell. Which is saying, I have a standard for God. And I establish the standards instead of God. Okay, but they say a good God sends no one to hell or he wouldn't be good. Others will say, yes, I would go to heaven because I was baptized or I joined a church or something of that nature. Uh, then there's those that say, you know what, I went to church and they told me to say this prayer. Jesus come to my heart and I'd be saved. I'd live like a wonder, whatever. I can. I'm saved now. I'm going to heaven. And so there's a lot of things that float out there. You know, I was born a Christian. Well, nobody's actually born a Christian. Okay. Uh, you make a commitment to Christ somewhere in your uh, life to become a Christian. So in those questions and those answers you come up, you think about it. The Bible is the Word of God. In in the Sunday school class I'm in, of course, we've been studying that. And really, uh, God said that He would preserve His Word forever. That wouldn't even lose a little jot or tittle. Not, Not even anything would be lost out of His Word. And since He is the Creator, that lets us know that by God's Word, if you want to know how to get to Heaven, you better find out from the Word of God not any other way. Uh, It's only through Jesus Christ we come to Him, but we need to know that way. Uh, So that's what I want to get at, because I I will tell you right now, I'm a Baptist preacher, been in the Baptist church from the time I can remember even being able to go to church, and sitting on the back row with my mother with a paddle, taking me out every so often. (laughs) But I can remember that, even before my dad was a pastor. And so that goes way back into the early 50s, okay? But uh, I can remember doing that. But I can tell you this the Baptist church doesn't get you to heaven. The Catholic church doesn't get you to heaven. The Muslim religion doesn't get you to heaven. Being a Presbyterian doesn't get you to heaven. Being a pastor, being a priest, being an imam doesn't get you to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life, no man comes unto the Father but by me. So, if you're going to know the way, it must be His way. It's not going to be being a church member, or anything of that nature. So, I want us to see life in 3D by looking uh, first at the first D, and the first D is death. You see, there's no death if there is no life. So, the best place to start. To find this out is go right back to the beginning, which takes us back to the book of Genesis. So in Genesis chapter 1, that's where I want us to go, the first book, first chapter of the Bible. And let's look at the beginning there. And I want to look in chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And there we read this, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish, and over of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over uh, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now ladies, that's not your husband. Uh, but over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He Him. Male and female created He them. If you follow the science, it's only male and female. There's not 30 genders out there or more. Okay, I, now here I hear they've come up to over 60 genders. Can you imagine doing a sonogram and saying, one of those 60's? Okay, now, It's one of two, and that's it. But then we need to understand that God created the heaven and the earth. He is not only the omnipotent, all-powerful God, but He's also the omniscient, the all-knowing God. Acts chapter 15, verse 18 says, Known unto God are all His works from the beginning. As I heard one uh, preacher say one time years ago, Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? The all-knowing God has always known. He's never taken by surprise by anything. And yet we are made in the image of God. We are not created gods. Don't, Don't make that mistake. We're not created gods. But we are made in the image of God. Now we need to understand God did not really have a body, as we think of a human body. You know, we are made in His image, so what is He talking about? And who is our? Let us make man in our image. Well, uh, a little biblical lesson on Hebrew here that this uh, Old Testament was written in is eye-opening on this. The word our Is a plural noun in the Hebrew, okay, just like it would be for us. And the word make is a singular verb in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, whenever you have a singular verb following a plural noun, in this case plural would be three, then it's always of. Always of the same essence. So we're seeing three divine persons in one divine essence. We call it the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay? That is the Trinity. Three divine persons, but one divine image, uh, uh, essence, should I say. So how are we in His image? Now, again, Jesus was a part of that three. He was part of the creation. But He didn't have a body then. He didn't have a body until 2,000 years ago when He took on human flesh. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and formed a seed inside her. That was a spirit. That wasn't a sexual union. That was a spirit. And then the Father, we know from the book of Hebrews, began to form that child through that nine-month period. And Psalm 22 told us that the Father drew him from the womb. And so, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, that member of the Trinity, God the Son, took on a human body that he might be our sin-bearer. Now, by sin bearer, this is what I mean. Because Isaiah chapter 53 tells us that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Now, you think that's his only begotten son, and it pleased the Father to pour out that wrath? But you see, Jesus on earth had a human spirit and a human soul, a human body. And it was on the human spirit part of him that the almighty wrath of God was poured out. Oh, Jesus despised the shame of the cross. The Bible's clear about that. Hanging naked, bleeding, beaten. Oh, yes, He despised. But that wasn't the worst. The worst is when His Heavenly Father poured out His wrath upon His human spirit. Why? Because when He looked at Him, He saw my sin. He saw your sin. I like the song that I've heard some sing around here. When He was on the cross, I was on His mind. And you know, when I think about that, all my sin that day was upon Him. And you know, Christmas time's coming up, a lot of people like to give gift cards. Do you realize that they say that it's, they've found that millions of dollars do not get spent. They're given gift cards and they end up not doing anything with them end up losing some and all that, maybe using it one time and then getting rid of it. And so much is lost. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, yes, but not if you don't receive it. I mean, you can have the card there ready for you, but you've got to receive it. You've got to take it. It's offered by God. Well, the Father's wrath was poured out on Him, for my sin. And God's attitude, even the one His only begotten Son, did not change about sin. In John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus said plainly that God is a spirit. And with that in mind, we go to chapter 2 of Genesis, the next chapter, and verse 7. And then we read this, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Now understand, when Adam was formed, he was formed out of dust. And there was flesh that was there. Now you've heard uh, preachers, I've, I've done this at the grave sites, at a committal service saying, Earth to earth, uh, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. And that's the idea behind it right here. Right there, Adam is laying there with a lifeless body and a lifeless soul. That's where he's laying. The soul doesn't have life yet because there's not a spirit there. Remember, God is a spirit. That's the image after which we were made. God breathes into His nostrils the breath of life. It is then the soul and the flesh begin to live. We must remember in John chapter 4, 1 verse 4, it says, In Him was life and the life was the light of men. That is in Jesus Christ it was talking about. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John chapter 1, verse 1. That's speaking of Jesus Christ. John 1:14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus being made flesh at that time. And we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So in Him is life. John 14, 6, not my word, God's word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is, but by Jesus Christ. Again, it's not a church, a pastor. It's not getting, I got baptized. It's not any of that stuff. You've got to have a personal relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in which you receive Him through repentance and faith. But now we begin to look at this idea of death here. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree, of the knowledge, of good and of evil, shalt thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day that you eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now keep that in your mind as we go along. We'll see the importance of that. In the day you would surely die. Now, keep in mind, the word death does not mean ceasing to exist. Actually, it has never meant ceasing to exist. It never has. It's the idea of separation. At death, your spirit, the life, separates from your body. Now, all the devils, Satan, all the devils are spirits. They're the ones that fell. God didn't create them to fall. They fell on their own. They, a spirit has a free choice. You and I, we have a free choice. We have a free will, in other words. They chose to rebel against God. The lake of fire is prepared for them. The fire is prepared for them because they cannot be saved. They've already seen God, they already know the truth. And they rejected They had that light, and they rejected it. And so, hell was prepared to torment them. Not to pr- torment men. To pr- torment them. So, at death, the spirit separates from the body. As it was with Adam. Adam had a spirit. He had all that. The soul is the seat of our emotions. Sometimes we'll say, well, boy, that just, that just broke my heart. And that's actually talking about your emotions. He that trusts in his heart is a fool, the Bible says, but also says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, which is the difference between the soul and the spirit. But the truth of the matter is, that when you're thinking that, the emotions that are there, uh, your soul will inspire your emotions such as anger, joy, being just nonchalant. Many times that that soul will inspire your flesh to do those things. Flesh gets hooked on drugs, gets hooked on alcohol, gets hooked on so many things. And then it becomes a part of them that is even beyond the control of the soul. You have a body. But understand, you're not a body with a soul and a spirit. You're a spirit that has a soul and a body. Some are moved by the spirit. For an example, it's in the spirit that would say, that's the seat of our intelligence, if that's a good way to say it. The spirit is the driving force in many decisions for marriage. You know, I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. The soul can look at it and says, well, if I married her, she's pretty boy. but everybody think I was cool? On the other hand, uh, the, young guy, uh, the young lady sees the guy and says, man, he's got money. I'm going to marry him. Okay. Now, regardless of what it is, that's soulish thinking. Spirit thinking says, this, this person would stick with me through thick and thin. This person, no matter how bad it gets, they're there. And so they think on that before they have that marriage and that's how they choose. See, love is a choice. It's not something that you can't help. It is a choice, and and you have that opportunity to be saved by choosing to love the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't overcome you with it. His love is there. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Think of that. That whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. At death that spirit's going to go to either heaven or hell based on your relationship to God the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son, as we've already pointed out in John 14, 6. No man comes unto the Father but by me, Jesus said. So after being, seen, death, separating, that day in the garden, Adam's and Eve's body didn't die that day, but rather they were separated from God that very moment. And so now we go on to Genesis chapter 3 in verse 1, beginning in verse 1, the next chapter. And I want you to see after death, I want you to see deceit. Deceit. This is important. Okay. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now God had made the serpent. Satan gets control over this serpent. Okay, that's what happened. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You see, the serpent is filled with Satan. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now she got it wrong. God didn't say, lest ye die. He said, surely die. And so let's go on. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. You see, Satan in search, you might say, some critical thinking here. He throws doubt, he throws deceit into the mix. He says, For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband. You know, the thing about sin, so often, When the guilt begins to hit your own inner person, you've got to get other people involved so you don't feel so bad about yourself. And that's never good. Eve, she sinned because she was deceived. The Bible's clear on that. She was deceived. Adam's sin was presumptuous. He knew it was wrong going in. He knew it. There was no doubt. He knew that he shouldn't do that. He is not deceived. He just does it. As by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death has passed upon all men for all have sinned. You see, that's what happened. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed leaves together and made themselves aprons you try, see, they try to cover their sin before God. But, you know, when we try to cover our sins, we always fail. It always comes short. And so, you can hide from God. You can try to hide, but you can't hide from God. Uh, he knows all everything from the beginning. He knows it all. And they heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now, God knows where he is. He's going to make Adam answer. And he said, I heard that voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he, that is God, said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be my wife, She gave to me, and I did eat. Uh, He's a typical man, blame the wife, isn't he? And then he looks at the woman, and the Lord said to the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent, that thou hast, uh, uh, the serpent hath beguiled me and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, now (laughs) that serpent doesn't have anybody to blame. So he turns unto the serpent, because thou hast done this thing, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, I just want to insert here before I read the next passage. Adam and Eve died that very moment. Not physically. The Bible lets us know Adam lived to be 900 years old. Didn't die physically, neither one of them at that moment. But they died at that moment because their spirit is now separated from God and they're going to need a Savior. And so verse 15 begins to looking at that. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. That is between the serpent and the woman. The serpent representing Satan. And between thy seed and her seed. Uh, Wait a minute. The seed comes from the man, not from the woman. But you see, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and formed that seed inside her. Here in Genesis chapter 3, 4,000 years before a virgin birth even happens, the virgin birth is already told what's going to happen. Why do people question the Word of God? And he says, it shall bruise thy head, that is that, seed would bruise his head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Boy, when Jesus Christ came off of that cross, oh, they thought they had him now. But when he came off that cross with the blood that he would take to heaven and place the great mercy seat of heaven, that heel came down on the head of Satan. Oh, it bruised his heel. Oh, but it bruised the head of Satan. The virgin birth. Now keep it in mind, Matthew 25, verse 41. Then shall they say also unto them on the left hand, this is at a judgment now before God, the judgment of nations. Depart from me ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. God didn't want man to go. Man goes because he has a free will not to receive Christ, and they reject it. They are afraid that it might interfere with whatever they think is more important than that. And it doesn't become important until the second they die. So following the old serpent, Satan, that spirit, will end up in hell. Satan will be tormented day and night in hell, along with all those devils that fell with him. Tormented day and night forever and ever. So you have death. You have the deceit. But then there's everlasting life. That's the third D. Death, deceit, but the deliverer. Deliverance comes in Jesus Christ. But it's not our way. It's God's way. A passage that really illustrates that is, remember the Sermon of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount? And I've had people say, Jesus is uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I try to live by the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 21 of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, says this, Many in that day will say unto me, Lord, Lord. Okay, he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What is that will? Well, fortunately the Bible provides that as well. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not willing that any, speaking of human beings, okay, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Oh, God loves us. As filthy and as dirty as we are in sin, He still loves us. Then verse 22 says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in thy name? and In thy name cast out devils. In thy name done many wonderful works. Now the Lord doesn't stop it and say, uh, oh, that's not true. He, doesn't say, doesn't. He, he even acts like, okay, maybe you have. But he says, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. In other words, he never knew them as their Savior. Why? Because they think by their good works, doing the best they can is going to get them to heaven. And they're just like I had to be, and like each one that is saved in here had to be. We had to confess, that is to say the same thing as God, is that we're sinners and we deserve to go to hell. But we believe that Jesus Christ died on that old rugged cross for us, was buried and rose from the dead. He did that because He loved us. But I must receive Him. I must receive him into my life as my Lord, my God, as my Savior. Yes, he says in that passage that I just read from Matthew seven twenty one through 23, there are people that are going to think they're going to heaven because of their merit. Ephesians 2:8 8, and 9 is very clear where he says, There, that uh, were saved by faith, by grace through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Look, I I deserve to go, I made it. No, it's not of works, lest any man should boast, the Bible says. We find that there be many that say, Well, I, I believe. Yeah, I believe the story about Jesus. It's interesting. James chapter 2, verse 19 says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. Uh, the devils also believe and tremble. But the devils are not going to be saved. You say, Pastor, how can I know I'm saved? Well, you think you're saved. Well, here's a test. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 8. We're going to move along quickly here. We're almost at the end here, so let's move along quickly. Now again, Hebrews chapter 12, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord? nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if he be without ch- t- chastisement, whereof all our partakers... This is going to sound hard to people, but it's the Word of God. He says, if you're without it, then are ye bastards, that is, illegitimate, and not sons. If you're saved, we're, we're going we're to sin daily. That's why I think it's a good thing to get on your knees at night and ask God for forgiveness. I think ask God forgiveness when you realize you've just committed sin. But some have that habitual sin. It might, we, we usually like to bring up pornography. Some kind of an alcoholic. Something like that. But you know what? The Bible puts gossip on the same level. As abominable to God. But how does he chasten us? Because he says he chastens and scourges. Scourges means to flog with a whip. But chastens. It's a painful Correction in the life. In God's image we have a spirit. Sometimes the original chastening is that conviction. This is wrong. If you can sin and not be convicted about it, by this I question your salvation. Not because I'm an, any person to be able to question it. I know by the word of God. He says I chasten my own whatever your sin is. And so, it may be that. Sometimes it gets harder. Sometimes it's a problem in the home. Sometimes it's the loss of job. Sometimes, as in Corinth, many were sickly because of the sin that was going on in their life, and some even died before God had really planned to take them home. But this one thing I do know, that when I sin, there is conviction. I know it's wrong. And if you can live day after day as, a Christ, as what you call yourself a Christian, live in sin, have that filthy mouth that uh, uses all the profanity and everything else, and still not feel guilt about it, and not get it right with God, and you're not chastened. He says you're none of His. You're illegitimate. You might be religious. Being religious doesn't get you to Heaven. You need a Savior. And so therefore, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, the Lord, the Lord, in His deity, Jesus took on humanity, the Lord Jesus. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Verse 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Now it's not your righteousness that you're believing unto. It's not believing so hard you become so uh, righteous. No. It's the righteousness of Christ. Ephesians 1, 6 says, I'm going to be accepted in the beloved in Christ. Not my merit. It's going to be his merit. Okay. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confessions made to salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But it is a heart believe, A heart believe. Let me just kind of sum that up this way. I'm at that age when you go to a doctor, you wonder what he's going to say about you this time. You know, uh, when he comes in there and he does it, And I'm sitting there saying, oh, how much is this going to cost? (laughs) Okay. But you've been having some problems, and all of a sudden they see it. And they take x-rays, and they do all these other uh, things that they do today. And they say, you've got this, you've got that, whatever it is. And the doctor says something like this. You're very fortunate. We've got one of the best surgeons in the entire world. And he's going to cut right here and open you down to here. And he's going to get in there and work on that. And he's going to replace some things and take some things out and put some things in. But he's going to do that. And if we don't get it done, you're probably going to die in a short period of time. Then he takes you and he shows you who the doctor is. And he is great, he's got all these credentials. Everything proves that he is the best. I mean, they're able to show you why he is the best surgeon for that kind of surgery, especially in the world. And showing them all the things with his body and showing you, look, this is your body. This is what's happening. This, this is where we gonna go. Said, so, you want to have the surgery? Well, yeah, I want to get taken care of. When? Okay, we can set that up for Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday? And so, the time's getting near. And they're going to do that surgery, and you're afraid. And you call them up, and you say, I don't think we're going to have that surgery. Uh, Oh, wait a minute. Didn't you see all the proof? Yeah. You know you need it, don't you? Yeah. You believe, you don't believe in this doctor? Oh, no, he's the best. Hands down, he's the best. So why won't you come in? I don't want to trust him with my life. See, when you come to Christ, you're putting your life in His hand now. He becomes your Lord. He becomes your God. He becomes your Savior. You see, asking the Lord to save you is not like a hocus pocus. Okay, I said the right words, now I'm saved. No. You're actually coming, the Bible likens it to marriage, you know. In marriage, it is a commitment. A life commitment. And that's what it is in coming to Christ. But it's an eternal life commitment because like God has a spirit, your spirit's going to live forever. The body that's in hell today doesn't have the body you had on earth, but there's a fleshly body about it that cannot disintegrate or cease to exist. But it feels all the pain my body would feel or your body would feel. The man in heaven has a body, not like the body you'll have when it's changed and likened to the glorious body, but it's not that body that's in the grave. His spirit's with the Lord and he's got him clothed with something until then. But I want you to understand that that is real death, deceit, but there's only one deliverer, and that's Jesus Christ. My friend, if I could put a gun to your head and tell you to make sure today I would do it, if that would mean anything, but that wouldn't mean a thing. That would just be fear. I'm not anything to fear anyhow. Fear God. One day, you'll stand before Him. Are you ready, fully ready to meet God? Let's bow our heads, please.